You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. Welcome to Geekly Dose. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Tim Bridgewater and Stephen Nocentelli. Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Geekly Dose, which is, of course, your number one spot for all things geek. That includes movies, games, comic books, etc. My name is Tim Bridgewater. I'm an actor. I'm a screenwriter. You can find me on Facebook.com slash Tim Bridgewater 1. Of course, I'm joined with my co-host, Mr. Stephen Nocentelli. Hello, everybody out there. This is Stephen Nocentelli, and I am in mourning. Oh, <laughs> normally Jesse would have hit like some kind of sound effect there, and it would have been like, what was that little... Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. If you listen to a lot of our older episodes, you'll notice a lack of sound effects. Just a quick refresher on that. Uh, Steven's in Seattle now. I'm in Louisiana. Jesse's somewhere near here, but we're not in the same place, so he's not here for this one. If you listen to our last episode, he actually joined us. That was a big E3 San Diego Comic-Con episode. <clears throat> so if you missed that, make sure you go back and check that out. Yes. We're going to find out why Steven is in mourning in just a minute, but we want to talk about a little bit... Um, about what we're going to talk about today on today's episode. Sure. We're actually going to do a review slash discussion of the Wolverine. Now, we realize we're a little bit late on that, maybe, perhaps. But honestly, I didn't see the movie as soon as most people did. And if you did listen to our last episode, as a part of our Days of Future Past discussion, we actually did kind of briefly mention the Wolverine. Steven kind of elaborated on his thoughts on it, which were basically positive, right? Yes. Yeah, they were very positive. And because of that, you know, at that time I hadn't seen it yet, but I, of course I was planning on seeing it anyway. But I went to see it and my thoughts were not quite as positive. So for that reason, I decided it might be a good idea for us to come on Geekly Dose, hash it out, talk about it. We as a country love conflict, battle, war. And that's what we're going to have on today's episode of Geekly Dose. Probably not, but it'll still be good. At the very least, it should be a good discussion. He can explain to me what he saw in it that I didn't, and maybe vice versa. And then, actually, after that, we decided that we're going to actually talk about, for a little bit, uh, the three big comic book movies of the summer, and which one of those were our favorite. Now, if you listen to our first episode back, uh, we reviewed Iron Man 3. Uh, not the most positive reviews on that, but that doesn't mean it could still fall anywhere in the little countdown thing or whatever. So, uh, and then of course we have Man of Steel, and then last but not least, The Wolverine. So we're going to do a little brief recap of those and talk about which one is our favorite. Uh, Steven's going to say his, I'm going to say mine. Yes. Now, okay, okay, before we get into all of that, Steven, uh... I'm a little curious as to, to why you're in mourning. Steven is actually wearing all black right now. No, he's actually wearing an orange shirt. But yeah, orange no. is the new black, isn't it? Orange is, in fact, the new black. If I had, uh, I should have <laughs> wore black in, like, a veil. And, uh, but, yeah, uh, anybody that's... extremely creepy. <laughs> yeah, well, because you're in this really dark room uh, right now. A fan of so the show knows been, like, uh, that, uh, you know, I'm big into video games. In fact, that's my thing on here. I talk about them, I review them, and I'm crazy about them. Well, my PlayStation 3 uh, a couple days ago got the infamous yellow light of death. Bum, 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 bum. We are sorry right. to hear that. I know. Well, you know, it was an old system. It was a launch console. It was backwards compatible with PS2 games. Needless to say, it 
you know, the clock was ticking down from the minute that I got it. I mean, that's just the way that these consoles are nowadays. Uh, I would hope that in the next generation, we're not going to see the failure rate be quite as high as it has been in this one. Uh, but yeah, so now on PS3 list, I know, Tim, you had similar experiences in the past. I did. Uh, I forget which episode we talked about that on, but I did actually talk about that uh, experience on a previous episode of Geekly Dose. You can go back and find that and help relive my my terror and dramatic <laughs> my over dramaticness <laughs> that occurred. But I can relate to that. So I'm sorry to hear that. But you did actually predict it. Uh, Steve, you sent us a message and said, I think my console is about to get the yellow light of death. Yeah, that's right. Turns as out you were fact, right about that. As a matter of fact, as a word of warning to anybody out there, uh, there are uh, symptoms. There are signs before it happens. Uh, basically, if at any moment your PlayStation randomly just turns off and the red light blinks like three times and you have to turn it back on, it's about to die. It's a sign of a hardware failure, and that's that. And mine did start to do that, now that I think about it. Now, yeah. you did say you managed to extract your, mostly your save data off of it first? Yeah, right? I uh, put a USB drive in there. Uh, I knew that it was going to die because of the shutting off, right? So I was like, okay, let me preemptively fix a couple things. I ejected whatever disk was in there because I don't want to have a disk stuck in my PlayStation. I can't turn it on. And I put a USB drive in and I copied over most of my save files. Now I say most because the way they organize it in the PS3 is they have the newest save file at the top going down to the oldest. Well, <laughs> halfway through transferring them to the USB disk, uh, USB drive, that's when the PlayStation died. So, ah. my older saves, I did not get. But, of course, that would be the games that I've already played and beaten, and so I'm not too hung up on those. The fact that I got the newer games that I am currently playing, and I still have those save files, is very good. Uh, and, anyone out there that has a system that died, uh, GameStop does accept broken systems for trade, and I was able to do that and get a little bit of money for that's right. You told me about that, and I forgot because I still have mine in the closet. So <laughs> I guess I have until tomorrow to do that. Yes. Uh, uh, they but, currently have, like, a deal going on for double credit. But the weird thing is, and this kind of ties into what you were saying just now about getting your save data off of there, mm -hmm. I, I guess I wasn't, I wasn't prepared enough for that. So, you know, I, I didn't manage to get anything off of my PlayStation. I assume everything's still on a hard drive, and I have some pretty good saves on there, mm. namely being I got every single Riddler trophy in Arkham City, which if you played that game, you know there's like a bunch of those, um, and some of them are very tricky to get, and I got all of them, and I lost my save data. Are the PlayStation hard drives removable? I think they are. Well, I would say uh, put your old hard drive in your current one and copy the data onto a USB drive. Then put your current hard drive back in and copy the data from there to the new system. You know what? I'm just really afraid I'm going to fuck something up. <laughs> because, um, you know, I probably got another PlayStation. My friend Chad let me have his, and I don't know if I want to be opening it up and putting hard drives in it and stuff. I mean, obviously, I could just YouTube a video on it, and yeah. I'm sure it'll be all right. But One thing I, I am kind of currently upset about is... Uh, the timeliness of this death is very bad because, as everyone knows, the PS4 and the Xbox uh, One, whatever, is set to come out in a couple months. You know, November, we're going to have these new systems. And I would very well just wait and buy a PS4. The problem is, 
they will not be backwards compatible with your PlayStation 3 games. So if I want to play the games that I currently own and I'm currently playing, I have to buy another PlayStation 3. Which I have to admit is a smart move on Sony's part, you know, not making it backwards compatible so that way later on they can make the games downloadable or whatever on PS4, thus making you have to pay for them all over again. That's right. So I can't, I can be furious about that, but I can't really be mad at them about it because it's kind of a smart move in terms of uh, financially. Um, but do you, so you do have plans to buy another one then? Yeah. Or did you um, do that already? No, I haven't yet. I'm waiting to get a, just a little bit more money. Like I said, I traded in my old one. So I got some money for that. Uh, in fact, the, this week, which means by the time you hear this, uh, it should be over. Uh, but this week, uh, GameStop is doing double trading credit for systems. So even though they take off $25 for the you know, refurbished fee, that's what they call it because it's broken, uh, You'll, I still managed to get $85 for my broken PlayStation 3. So, That's not bad. That's not yeah. bad. And a used one is $199, I think, the cheapest. Uh, so I'm just going to end up getting one of those. I already have half the money on a gift card now, so I might as well. Yeah. And, and for me, I would have to do all that hard drive switching and stuff basically tonight, <laughs> which it's, 10, it's 1030 in Louisiana, p.m., and I know where you are, it's still like daylight. So... <laughs> But it's pretty late, and I have to go to work early in the morning, so I don't think I'm going to be up in here messing with a PS3. Uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Because still I, gonna, I, kinda, I still recommend you trade it in. I mean, I'd like to, but then I don't, I don't really want to lose my save data. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I like that Arkham City save data is very valu- valuable. But uh, also, at the same time, I started playing Arkham City again recently. So now I've created new save data but i'm not going to go through all the trouble that i did before like you know doing all the riddler trophies and all that stuff like i was trying to get a hundred percent on that game yeah i went through and did a lot of the little other things you still have proof you still have the trophies on your account on your psn account i do but the thing about um you know all of my what's it called now all my dlc is pretty much useless because you download the challenge packs for like Robin and Nightwing and Catwoman, mm-hmm. but you, the challenges themselves don't become unlocked until you uh, find a certain amount of Riddler trophies in the game. Sure. So, you know, it, which was funny because I had just bought the Nightwing pack, which I had never owned, and then I went into the game and realized, oh, hell, I can't play this until I, unless I play Arkham City again. <laughs> so I started playing it again. And I've, I've unlocked most of them, but I don't know. It would just be a lot easier to have my save data so I can just play all my shit again. Yeah. But whatever. Enough about that. I guess we'll see what happens. Sorry you've joined the Yellow Light of Death PS3 club. Well, I mean, uh, my... But hey, it's still not worse than re- the Xbox, so... Yeah, my uh, my original Xbox died, and I had to trade that in, too, so... It's, I mean, it's didn't just you the have, way like, several are. of those? Yeah, <laughs> it sucks, man. I really hope the next generation, they figure something out with their production facilities that these things won't die so easily i mean like a huge percentage of xboxes and playstation 3s died because of these oh crap sorry i have a cat (laughs) hardware (laughs) failures (laughs) Uh, anyway and i would hope i mean i know why the playstation 3 died i know because the uh, thermal paste on the motherboard uh, is applied very haphazardly on these older PlayStation 3s, and it begins to wear away, and that's where the overheating and the hardware failures come in. 
And in all mm-hmm. actuality, if you can take a PlayStation apart and reapply a very thin layer of thermal paste, you can fix your own PlayStation. Uh, but, I mean, it's a very simple thing that, of course, they fix in the newer models, but of course, I just hope... Of course, thus voiding any warranty you may have had. <laughs> yes, right? of course. So there's, there's the catch with that. But, I mean, you know, if, these things are obvious. They, they need to... I don't know, just do more test systems before they release. I don't know what they can do. Just don't have half of the Xboxes die when they are released. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you know, it's it's dumb because, like like I've said many times, I still have my PS1 and my PS2, and they work fine. I st- I still have <laughs> they work a, perfectly. I still have a working NES. So I mean, doesn't that tell you something? You know, the more advanced they make these consoles, the more susceptible they are to, to malfunction, and that's just ridiculous. There's too many moving parts nowadays. Exactly, exactly. Okay, and I believe there was some other news you wanted to, to discuss, yes. which I, I had no idea until you mentioned this, so go ahead and let us know what this big uh, news is. Yeah, well, you know, moving on from very sad PlayStation news, I have very exciting news. Everybody that listens to the show knows that Tim and I are both really big fans of uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and of course the uh, new yes. series, uh, Avatar, The Legend of Korra. They finally, today, released the premiere date of Season 2 of Legend of Korra. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is going to be Friday, September 13th at 7 p.m. Wow. Yeah. Yes. That's not too far away. 7 p.m., huh? Yeah. Is there a reason why they come in with that prime time slot thing? What uh, is that about? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I would imagine, I mean, you know, Just this is it's one the of, premiere, I guess. Yeah, it's the premiere. Plus, it's one of their more major uh, productions, even if it's not one of their main, like, revenue making shows, obviously. Uh, so, I don't know. I would hope personally that they keep it in the prime time slot because that means it's more likely i'll be able to watch it that's uh, true yeah. it's one of the problems i had with the first with the first season is that it was like sunday mornings or something like i was always yeah, was asleep and i had to try to find it online and watch it after the fact yeah and, uh, we after moving we don't have a dvr anymore so it'll be harder for us to be able to watch it I don't even... I have a VCR, but that might be just a little ridiculous. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, Legend I remember... Korra. I mean, yeah, if it's, any, if, if it's anything like the first season, then they'll be, they'll be on, like, Nick.com or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, you have, to, you have to wait these weird times and stuff, and sometimes they don't put them up right away and all that. Yeah, plus, if it's anything like the first season, they're not going to show reruns. They never showed you know, it. Like, they never reacted. Well, I mean, they while it was airing, like throughout the week, they I'm pretty sure they showed it like one or two other times. But since the finale of that first season, they haven't shown any episodes of The Legend of Korra. And that's a that that's a thing. Like, they're gonna have to re air the entire first season soon. Because like it's been so long. Like how long has it has it been like a, it's been like over a year since that the last season, right? I would I say mean, so, yeah. We're all gonna need refreshers on that. Like I'm hoping it's yeah. on, com on Xfinity, so I can go back and watch the whole first season of it again because I don't remember much. You know, I mean, I just remember yeah. bits and pieces, but it's that's I don't know. That's it's always been a weird thing whenever these shows take these really long breaks because they want to make more episodes or whatever, and then you kind of have to. It's so long that you forgot what happened. You know. So. Yeah. But needless well, to say, that's it really exciting. Makes you, it really makes you wonder if some part of the delay isn't the fact that uh, originally it was only going to be two seasons, I think. 
But Nickelodeon then ordered two more seasons, so maybe part of the delay is them. They had to write a way to extend the story past what they had already planned. Yeah, from but I mean, from what I understand, it was it was something. It was very much something like that, and that was the reason why. Uh, which I can't blame them for that, and and I'm I'm happy because it means we're going to get more episodes, and more seasons overall, which is only a good thing. Yeah. But it it kind of sucked to have to wait that long. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know. And meanwhile, we weren't getting any news on it in the meantime. Wonder if it'll be another year between all the other seasons. Like, oh, yeah, not do that. Yeah. I do not want to be like in my mid thirties when this <laughs> when this show comes to an end. You know, I mean that's ridiculous. It's <laughs> true. Well, any Legend of Korra fans out there, uh, be prepared on September thirteenth. It's a Friday. Uh, it's going to be prime time, and it's going to be the premiere of book two. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm very excited about that. Very excited. Can't wait to see what happens with uh, Amon and Cora, and I don't remember anyone else's name. See, that's how long <laughs> as that's. I mean, other than the the Airbender people, right? That really aren't there anymore. Right. Uh, what, what was what's Aang's son's name? Tenzin. Tenzin. Sure. And, <laughs> and then there's there's uh, uh, Toph. Yeah. Toph's daughter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's like a sheriff or a chief or I'm, something. Lynn. Lynn yeah. Bayfong. Okay, see, now it's starting to come back to me. I'm just going to have to like reread the a description of Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> come back to me, Legend of Korra. Come yeah. back to me. Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to kind of switch over to the semi-main event here, the big discussion. And that is, of course, the Wolverine. Um, I'm going to change this up a little bit. I don't think we normally do this, but what I want to do is I want to actually read the official synopsis for the film. For anyone who hasn't seen it by any chance and doesn't kind of understand the approach for this new film. Okay. So here we go. Based on the celebrated comic book arc, this epic action adventure takes Wolverine, the most iconic character of the X-Men universe, to modern day Japan. Out of his depth in an unknown world, he faces his ultimate nemesis in a life-or-death battle that will leave him forever changed. Vulnerable for the first time and pushed to his physical and emotional limits, he confronts not only lethal samurai steel, but also his inner struggle against his own immortalities. Emerging more powerful than we have ever seen him before. Of course, The Wolverine is directed by James Mangold. Uh, Sort of a sequel slash prequel to it's weird this whole x-men universe continuity is so messed up but yeah it's kind of a sequel to x-men origins wolverine but at the same time they're kind of pretending like that movie didn't happen because that movie happened really early on and this movie happens way after the x-men movies yeah yeah so fox needless to say fox is uh is, is trying their hardest to just fix this thing and we're hoping that they're able to do it, do that with Days of Future Past, which we'll talk a little bit about during this discussion. Yeah. But yes, so the Wolverine, um, what were your thoughts? Okay, well, obviously, if you heard the last episode, my thoughts were overall very positive. Um, I mean, yes, there are a couple flaws with the movie, but I think that most of the flaws in the movie stem from the fact that it had to follow two very bad movies. Uh, You know, the Wolverine himself, he was very much, you know, Wolverine. He had his claws, he was slicing people up, killing them, uh, running around Japan. 
there was great action sequences. I mean, the fight on the train was brilliant and kind of hilarious at the same time. Uh, and, you know, they you have a character that's kind of invincible, and so they, they came up with an interesting way at the end of the movie uh, to make him killable, in a sense, you know, to make him more vulnerable. We should uh, say that this, this will contain spoilers, too, by the way. Sure. I mean, sure. if you listen to us, you know that... <laughs> Typically, the reviews do, okay? Especially this late after it's come out. Okay. okay. Then, then I will say that uh, they had the Silver Samurai. I don't know how accurate he was to the actual comic book version of him. Um, Not very accurate. No, I didn't think so. I mean, he was. they made him into like a, like a mech robot suit for an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, they had... One thing that's interesting is the Silver Samurai had a very large sword that would heat up and slice through adamantium somehow. Um, there is in the comics a sword, uh, with like, I think it has an orange blade, I forget what it's called, that can actually kill Wolverine. Uh, this obviously is not it, but maybe they were going for something like that. But yeah, I think my main problems with the movie was the fact that it kind of had to make up for X3 and X-Men Origins Wolverine, and so a lot of the story elements, uh, involving Wolverine and his flashbacks and Jean Grey and his past kind of felt a little, like, off in the movie. Like, I don't think they needed it, but at the same time, they you could tell they were shoehorning that in there to kind of make people forgive them for what happened in X-Men 3. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I can agree with, uh, with most of that. Uh, I want to start off by saying that, I mean, obviously, I could tell from the trailers that this wasn't going to be the typical... Uh, superhero quote unquote type of film, and right. you know, and I, I got that vibe very early on, and maybe that was part of the reason why I wasn't so excited about it. Like I don't know, like really? out of all, out of out of Iron Man three, Man of Steel, and the Wolverine, the one that I was the least excited about was the Wolverine, and I couldn't put my finger on why. It's just that's just how it was. I don't know if it was the trailers or the fact that, you know, the last two attempts at this whole thing were bad. Or it's just kind of getting old now with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Not that he's not great as Wolverine because he is, but most franchises would have been rebooted to some extent <laughs> by now. Fox, and Fox I, is I'm just trucking on with they, these X Men movies. <laughs> they, they are not apologizing. And, and and it is it is just I don't know. Like Days of Future Past once again is going to have to reinvigorate this entire franchise. And in in some people's opinion, maybe the Wolverine did that. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, it didn't. Uh, it, the, the, everything that I just said about this movie, you know, not being a superhero movie and all that kind of stuff is is not a bad thing. OK, no. it does. It works very well. I like that it wasn't a, like super hum, superhero. You know, like I like that it was more. I don't know. He was more like on the run and stuff like I thought that was more interesting. And I agree. It is more interesting, but I just don't... For me, it's just like it's so different from the other movies to where it just doesn't seem like it even happens in the same universe. And I get it. It's like a comic book. You know, the X-Men has their adventures together, but Wolverine can also have his own comic book line, you know, wherever, which is this story is based on from one of the series in the Wolverine comic book. Um, I think it was Frank Miller did the, the inking, uh, the pencils, and uh, Chris Claremont did the writing. Okay, so it's based on a Wolverine uh, in J- Japan story. Where Wolverine 
basically ends up in Japan and, you know, all this stuff ensues because of it. Right. Including a weird love story that I don't necessarily agree that was was necessary yeah, the, or believable. The love story was I don't know. It was it was like they wrote the uh it was like they, they decided it's gonna be in Japan, so it had to have certain characters and since in the comics Wolverine and Mariko had a relationship they had to figure out some way to get them together for no reason. Uh, but I thought overall the performances were very good, especially from uh, which, uh, Yukio, the actress Ryla Fukushima. I thought she did an excellent job uh, being a very uh, weird but but cool sort of woman. Yeah, I, did, I mean, I didn't have a problem with any of the acting. I really didn't for the most part. There is an exception to that which was basically the biggest, one of the biggest problems I had in the film, but I'll get into that in a second. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the acting was great, and, and, and there was nothing, there's nothing bad about that. It, it's just, it's just, a, I don't know, it's just a weird sort of, you know how you were saying there was, you felt like some things were shoehorned in there, you know, for example, the Jean Grey thing. Mm. Now, I found that this movie was doing two things. One, it was trying to sort of make up for X-Men The Last Stand in, in some ways, and in some ways, you know, pretend like that film didn't happen. But two, it's also acknowledging that it happened because the whole Jean Grey thing is in there. So I'm like, if you really want to distance yourself from X-Men The Last Stand, then don't put the Jean Grey stuff in there. Because not only was that just weird, it kind of conflicts with this love story that he has going on with Murdico because he's still in love with Jean Grey. So how believable is it supposed to be that he's falling in love with someone else when he's still having all these feelings for Gene. I mean, maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't romantic feelings for Gene. Maybe he really did just feel guilty because he killed her. But then again, it was romantic because they they were in bed together and stuff every time they showed her. I don't know if they needed that. I really like you said. I feel like they shoehorn that in there just to make it connect with X Men Three, and there there's better ways that they could have done that. Yeah. There's better ways they could have done that. And this whole serious, grounded approach that they took to it. Took, I mean, I just don't, I don't feel like every movie based on a comic needs that now. You know, I feel like ever since The Dark Knight came out, all of these studios are like, how can we make this more realistic and grounded and stuff? We don't necessarily need that. Like, it's not a bad thing, but this movie was not fun for me. Yeah. It was just like a straightforward, like, okay, this is like a serial, you know, thriller or something. Like, I don't. I don't feel like I'm watching an action movie based on Wolverine. I kind of feel like I'm just watching like a dramatic film and Wolverine happens to be a character in it. To some people, that's great. And it's not a bad thing for me, but it's just not what I wanted. You know, you can totally make a cool action superhero movie and, and not have it be overly campy and cheesy and stuff. I mean, they pulled it off with Iron Man 1 and the Avengers. And it's just... You know, there were like what three mutants in this movie, maybe. Yeah, not that many. Wolverine, Viper, and I guess Yukio was one because she had the she could see the future, but they never really <laughs> explained that. Yeah, you, the the way that they presented that power, if you could call it that, in the movie, you could almost argue that she was just making it up the whole time. <laughs> you know, like because it was so vague. Just, maybe she just had a weird dream. You know, I don't know that she actually had powers. Maybe she did. See, and, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's like they were trying so hard to not acknowledge that kind of stuff. You know, by making Wolverine the main, 
basically the only mutant with the exception of Viper. Uh, you know, and then they, they, they're not, they're not, they hardly even use the word mutant. The word yeah. mutant was used a couple of times. I get it. You're trying to distance this and make it a self-contained story and all that stuff. But because of that, it doesn't feel like an X-Men film. And in the end, I wanted it to feel like an X-Men film. And it didn't. Now, right. was it better than the X-Men Origins Wolverine? Yes. But there are some things that I liked about that movie that I wish this movie would have had. You know, we could have gotten another mutant in there. We could have seen a little bit more powers. I'm not saying we needed to see a bunch of that because all of the fight choreography was great. There were some good moments in there. Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. You know, we can only say that so many times. I know he's great. He's great at it. It's nothing to do with him. As a matter of fact, I think he did a lot of his own fight choreography and stunts and all that stuff. And all that was great. It's just the tone of it and how it feels compared to the other X-Men films I don't necessarily like because next we have Days of Future Past and you know the tone of that movie is not going to be anything like this one. It can't be. Not with like 19 mutants in it. Yeah. You know, the other movie is going to have like 19 mutants in it. So it's not going to be anything like the Wolverine. Yeah. It's not going to be nearly as grounded. So how do you, ex- I don't know, how do, you, how do you expect us to really transition into that from a movie like the Wolverine? Especially when you see uh, the mid-credits scene uh, where they bring in Magneto and Professor X. Uh, so you know they are very much wanting you to be like, oh, that means that another X-Men movie is coming out, it's Days of Future Past, and they're going to do something about it, and Wolverine's there. Like, you, they're hinting towards it, they're like leaning you towards it. Uh, but yeah, I agree, it's going to be a very different feeling movie. It would have to be, it would have to be like, it's going to have time travel, it's going to have giant robots, it's going to have, like you said, like 20 mutants running around shooting lasers out of their fists. I mean, it's going to be like a crazy sci-fi action movie. Um, it's not going to be the Wolverine's grounded Dark Knight approach. And 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 with that being said, it also made that little mid credit credit sequence uh, even even that felt out of place <laughs> because you're you're trying so hard in the movie to not reference mutants and you're showing us very little mutant powers, so you're establishing this more realistic tone for the film, but then in the mid credit sequence, all of a sudden we've got people stopping. You know, and freezing, and then we've got metal floating, and it just doesn't feel right because we just watched this entire movie when no one really has powers. So, but then you throw Professor X and Magneto in there all of a sudden at the end, and then that immediately felt like a different film. <laughs> and it's just, it's weird. And with that being said, also, the third act of this movie was horrible. You know, I mean, once again, you spend all this time establishing this grounded, realistic type of universe, okay, as realistic as a guy with claws coming out of his hands could be. Uh, but then you give us this fucking huge metal mech samurai. CGI. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, I don't... And that it wasn't a surprise. We saw that in the trailer. Yeah. We knew it was going to be in there, okay? But when it happened, it was just the cheesiest thing ever to me. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't like that at all. I mean... There, there had to have been better solutions to that, like just making a silver samurai a mutant, yeah. you know, like the comic book. Like, I don't understand why they had to take this weird approach. And then the guy is inside the machine, which I have to admit wasn't it, that wasn't a terrible idea. But it, it, to me, it just created more plot holes. Right. Because mm-hmm. did, he, did he ever acknowledge why he was in there? I think he said that the machine kept him alive. Right. The suit. Yeah. Yeah. It kept him alive. Why is that? I don't know. 
what what kind of what kind of life support system does this samurai armor have <laughs> that a regular hospital doesn't have? Well, so I mean, it makes you think that he so he faked his death to get Wolverine to fight him in the samurai outfit. I'm guessing. I don't know. I guess it is kind of strange. See, the to fact think that about you the, the fact that you don't know <laughs> proves my point, right? <laughs> You know what? One good thing came out of this movie, though. Uh, and I'm announcing here, there's a new uh, Wolverine drinking game. And that is, uh, every time Hugh Jackman slowly turns to the camera and they zoom in on a wound of his healing, you have to take a shot. You will be plastered halfway through this movie. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That that whole thing has gotten so old because they use that in every movie. Yeah. They use they, it in every movie. They and did we get it, it so many times in this movie. Like every time something happened to Wolverine, he slowly like like somebody would punch him and he would just slowly turn to face him while he's healing. And it's like, all right, we get it. You get to heal, but they we get it. He can heal. Showing it. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's much more effective when they don't focus on it. You know, like mm-hmm. when they just like he's just he gets shot and something else is going on. And if you happen to be staring at the hole in his stomach, you'll see it close. You know, sure. I like that. Don't we don't need to we get it. We know we can heal. But then again, of course in this film, since one of the main plot points was him semi losing his ability to heal, maybe that's why they felt it was more important to show him when it was working, so that yeah. when it wasn't working, it would be more effective. I guess. Now Although with that being wonder, said, like, how repressed was his healing ability? Because he was still getting shot like 30 times and still like chugging along. <laughs> and he's still, he still healed. Okay. Here's the thing. One thing yeah. that this synopsis said was something about Wolverine being vulnerable the first, for the first time in his life and losing stuff. He didn't lose shit. All he did was get it's, they slowed him down a little bit, but he was still whooping everybody's ass. So that yeah. to me, that plot point was not as effective. It would have been more effective had he lost his healing ability completely. Now, of course, they wouldn't have been able to get he, they wouldn't have been able to shoot him because he would have been incapacitated. So, but to me, that's it's just kind of a stretch. You're trying to give us this emotional new territory for Logan because, of course, in this movie, he wants to he kind of wants to die. He's lonely now. He feels guilty about Gene's death. All of his friends are dead. For some reason, he's attacking people because they killed a bear. I don't know. Someone explain. <laughs> someone explain to me the point of that scene. Someone uh, please tell me why that bear's death was so important to Wolverine. Well, okay. So basically, what I'm gathering is the this group of rednecks decided to go out in the woods uh, with poison tip arrows to kill a bear. Um, they shot it, they realized, oh crap, it's not dying immediately, and it attacked them, and so they ran, and of course the bear slowly died, and Wolverine came up on it, and I guess he just felt sorry for the bear, and so he sniffed out the red. <laughs> okay, I get it, all right, it's silly. <laughs> oh, that was a big CGI bear, too. <laughs> you know, that bear actually looked pretty realistic i mean <laughs> at least there was that right it may have not it may have not served much of a purpose but not it at all. real <laughs> yeah that's kind of ridiculous i don't know okay so the more i think about this movie the sillier it becomes but that doesn't mean that i didn't like it any less i enjoyed while i was sitting in the movie theater watching the movie i really enjoyed myself and did ultimately i got my money's worth did you see it in 3d i actually did yes 
Oh, how was that? Um, it did not feel like it needed to be seen in 3D at all. <laughs> there was there was no way in hell I was going to see this movie in 3D, right? Now, yes. Here, this this proves my point. You you're you're marketing this more realistic, grounded Wolverine film. Why does it need to be in 3D? Like if it's I'm sorry, but the only movies that need to be in th- that what well, first of all, no movies need to be in 3D. But if you're going to put them in 3D, it needs to be an animated film or a film that has a lot of spectacle in it that doesn't take place at night. More <laughs> importantly, know? it needs to be filmed in 3D. And yes, and it also needs to be filmed with 3D in mind as opposed to being post-converted. So there was no way in hell I was going to spend that money to see that movie in 3D. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, I think I'm, I'm done with 3D for good. Now, don't really? quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. I saw Pacific Rim in 2D. I saw the Wolverine in 2D, uh, whatever else I saw before the Wolver- uh, Pacific Rim, I think I also saw in 2D. The 3D thing for me has just not been worth it in a long time. I don't remember the last time I really got my money's worth out of 3D. I don't know. Maybe probably maybe the Amazing Spider-Man. Maybe <laughs> it's just become so common that we've like our eyeballs and our brains have desensitized to the effect of the 3d i mean even like when i'm just at home playing uh, on my my uh, my 3ds you know my handheld and i'm playing a video game that's in 3d you know like maybe i'm right. just so used to 3d that i just don't it doesn't affect me anymore you know and so maybe maybe i just need to stop seeing movies in 3d too yeah i mean it, it's like with anything you know if you start to like oversaturate the market with it it's going to start to lose its value thus becoming less of a unique experience and for me that's 3d so (laughs) i was not going to waste my money watching this movie in 3d now let's just talk a little bit about okay we you did you did mention the characters a little bit the acting was good yukio was great murdico was 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 good of course hugh jackman was great uh shinjin was great yoshida was great the person that I just could not stand in this film was Viper. I, I, I can't understand whatsoever why that, why that character was in Okay, I think that character may have been in part of the original Wolverine Japanese storyline. Maybe, maybe that's why. But they should have changed her, switched her out with somebody else. You know what? I, I completely <laughs> agree with you on this one. She did not belong in this film at all. And I'm going to say the whole cliche thing that everybody else is saying. She did just seem like a ripoff of Poison Ivy, okay? And I don't know which one of those characters came first. In the actual comic book, maybe Viper came first before Poison Mm -hmm. Ivy? I don't know. But all I know is that Poison Ivy hit the big screen before Viper. So immediately, I think of her. And it doesn't help that the actress looks like Uma Thurman. (laughs) (laughs) Like, am I the only person that noticed that? Uh, I guess you are. I don't know. You know, I feel the same way about Viper. I... I didn't get her character. I didn't like her character. I didn't even really like. I don't. I don't know this character. And you know, you have Wolverine. You have him in Japan, and it's focused around him. And then you have this like just random mutant that they threw in because they needed someone with powers. And ultimately, that role, even if it wouldn't have, you know, the whole Doctor Fake thing wouldn't have really fit her very well. They could have changed it somehow. That role really should have been Lady Deathstrike. But thank you. I, I don't agree know. With that. That's just but, what they did. Of course, there was already an iteration of Lady Deathstrike in X Men Two, which yeah. I don't know if they ever called her that, but that's who she was supposed to be. She was just a brainwashed uh, henchman 
of, of William Stryker in that movie. But they already, yeah. which brought some questions for me because this, is, this, is, this was my confusion going into this movie. I always assumed that Lady Deathstrike was a part of this Wolverine in Japan storyline. Now, she is yeah. to some extent, but not necessarily this specific storyline. So whenever I find out there was a character in the movie named Yukio, my brain didn't put it together that that wasn't Lady Deathstrike because her name is Yuriko. Now, but here's the thing. We have Yukio, Muriko, and then we have Yuriko. So it's almost like they just combined Yukio and Muriko's names together and got Yuriko. But how much more interesting would it have been had it been Lady Deathstrike to some extent, right? But yeah, then again... Definitely. You know, she would have had the adamantium and sort of the same abilities as Wolverine. So why maybe maybe Yoshida could have just gotten her power, you know, in that so. case. So, I mean, but yeah, I would think that to not further furtherly is not a word, is it not to even more so <laughs> tarnish this this completely fucked up X-Men continuity. They didn't go the Lady Death Strike route because people would have been like, "Well, um, she was an X Men. She was an X Men too." <laughs> I don't understand how this character could be two different people. Well, I don't know that in X Men too. I don't remember them calling her Lady Death Strike. I don't, I don't think so. I think it's. I think they may have referenced her as Death Strike at some point. Maybe, but there would have been no logical reason why they would have called her that in the movie because they. You notice in the movies they don't really call each other by their. Their, 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 names. their mutant code names. Mutant names yeah. Like, no one's like, we're Cyclops. Yeah, think, that's true. You know, it's always it's like, Scott. Scott, yeah. Scott Gene. Logan, Gene, etc. right? Yeah. Aurora. Uh, <laughs> but yes, Viper wheels. was a complete... Don't forget, don't forget wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Viper uh. was just a complete travesty. I mean, I don't... Okay, no, nothing against the actress... Because I don't think her acting was bad. I just didn't like the character. I don't understand why she was there. It didn't make any sense. She was really cheesy. There's this point where she sheds her skin, but then she looks the exact same. She just has a bald head. I'm like, what, yeah. what exactly happened that's I mean, different? She was healing somehow, you know? And why the old guy didn't steal her healing ability is beyond me too but one thing that i was really expecting was when was she would shed her skin and she would look different and she would escape somehow that's what i thought was going to happen but no she was just she just took her wig off <laughs> so yeah now she's bald <laughs> somehow the stab wound which would have been further in than just you know the upper layer of her skin was healed somehow also I don't know. Yeah, I agree. That doesn't make... But I think Viper in this movie illustrates a perfect flaw that they've created for themselves in all of these X-Men movies, which is you look at the current state of superhero movies, and it's very much, you know, faithful to the books. They do the characters correctly. They don't change up costumes or anything. You know, that's what Marvel... And even DC to an extent, that's what they've been building towards. But the original X-Men movie was super, super early in all of this. And so since they're still existing within the same uh, universe as those first X-Men movies, you know, they, they weren't looking at a way to be super faithful to the comics. They just wanted to do a really good X-Men movie. And because of that, they've ruined lots and lots of characters that they can't somehow fix and bring back. You look at those first three X-Men movies, and even uh, 
X-Men Origins Wolverine, and you see them just really ruin a lot of characters, a lot of mutants that they just... They just don't really develop well, they kill them off, they make them seem really stupid, they just do a lot of things. And so now we're stuck with second-string mutant villains like Viper that really shouldn't have been in this movie at all, but we have no choice because of what they've done in the past. That is a very good way of putting it. I didn't think about it like that, that their options are probably limited now. Now, I, like I said, I do think that this Viper character may have been somehow involved in the comic book version of it. You know, hardcore X-Men nerds, send us an email at geeklydose at gmail.com if you can confirm or uh, deny that. But uh, so, but they could have replaced her. Well, you, had it not been for what you just said in that scenario, logically, they could have just put someone else in there. But they've yeah. already used up. And misuse a lot of the other really good characters. So then you get like this, you know, like you said, like this third string type of villain in there. And it just doesn't, it was just unnecessary. Like how much cooler would it have been if it was just the regular silver samurai? You know, a lot of the other stuff in the movie could have still happened. You know, yeah. that Viper character just wasn't really necessary. I mean, I, I don't know. It became really cheesy at that point because she was like wearing green. And I'm like, did no one think that she looked like Poison Ivy at all while they were shooting that scene? <laughs> like how don't or there people that get paid to, to, to fucking like point out these kinds of things? You know, I mean, seriously, though, like, let's take this movie a little bit more seriously than you are. And it's because of all those negative reasons that I said overall, this movie was just not a great experience for me. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it was by far from being a bad film, but I overall wasn't particularly pleased with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Now, uh, I know earlier in the show, you said we're going to uh, look at the past three major superhero movies uh, and kind of rank them. So far, I know we still have a couple movies coming out this year, like uh, Thor, uh, something else probably, I don't know. But right now we're going to talk about uh, Iron Man 3, Man of Steel, and The Wolverine. And <laughs> the more I think about all three of these movies, the less I like any of them. <laughs> but yeah, let's go. Let's go on with this. <laughs> you want to start it, Tim? Okay, yeah, um... Okay, you know, we're starting with Iron Man 3, obviously. Uh, listen to our first episode back, which I can't think of what the episode number is now, sorry. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of these now, so. Um, yeah, that that movie uh, was just not good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. You know, we, we, we broke it down in, in depth on that episode, so listen to that to find out why, but. The short version of it was that I thought it was silly. What they did, the Mandarin was silly. Uh, I didn't like the fact that Tony Stark was out of his suit as much as, as, as he was. These extremist soldiers, the Aldrich Killian, just all of that was just kind of a big mess. It just wasn't. The tone of it was different from the other two films, and I liked the tone of the other two films, although the second one wasn't the greatest. The tone was different. It just was the worst movie out of the, Iron Man, out of the three Iron Man movies for me. I think I'm going to stick with that now. And some people might say, what is worse than part two? I have to say that it is because, you know, something I saw it again. I didn't mention that. Not in the theaters. In theaters? Okay. No, no, okay. no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, happen, I happened to be at a friend of mine's house and somehow 
he managed to get a high definition bootleg version of it on the internet. <laughs> and so I ended up watching it again. And this the second time around I was like, I really don't like this movie. You know, so it was one of those things where even a second viewing didn't do anything for it. So yeah. that was my least favorite out of the three. You know what? I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. Definitely my least favorite out of the three. Uh, and f- pretty much for all the same reasons. I mean, Tony Stark was barely in a suit. And then when you finally had his suit flying around, like, doing action, it wasn't even him in it. It was, like, like autopilot crap, you know? Like, I just <laughs> I just don't understand why they did this. And then you have, uh, you know, Don Cheadle's War Machine character, who also never got to do anything in his suit either. I mean... Yeah. Especially when you look at like the beginning of the movie and they build up this whole oh he's Iron Patriot now and they like do a whole shtick about that but then they just take his suit away and they it's just, just pretty do much they, they pretty much just abandon him uh, and then you've got you've got the the bad guys operating the suit like it's just the easiest thing ever yeah which I never that I don't even think we brought that up on our review but how were the bad I mean did Jarvis not see something you know jarvis is pretty smart i think we can agree on that right did he not recognize that this was not either a (laughs) tony stark or b james rhodes there's just some random dude in the suit and he's a bad guy at that point shouldn't he shut down the suit these suits can't be that easy to control in general i mean like there's no buttons or switches you know it's all like like eye movement and like muscle tension. So the fact that he could just walk around perfectly also is kind of strange. Uh, but then again, because of the way they set up uh, the first Iron Man movie, none of these extra people walking around in suits make sense anyway because no one has an arc reactor in their chest. I mean, how how is how is War Machine's suit ever, like in the second Iron Man movie? How did he ever put that suit on and walk around? It doesn't make any sense. Wow. Yeah, wait, think about wait that a second. one. <laughs> my, my, my mind has just been blown. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my mind has been blown. Has anyone thought about that before? Send us an email at geeklydose at gmail.com. If you have any you kind of explanation as to why those suits will work on someone who does not have an arc reactor, when, in fact, the arc reactor was powering the suits. That's right. And it, you know, it How did I never me, think about that? It bugged me ever since the first time I saw part two. Because I was watching the movie, and then here comes, uh, uh, who played him at the time? Um, Terrence Howard. Here he comes, walking in with a silver Iron Man suit, and he starts beating up on the regular Iron Man suit. And the whole time I'm thinking, how is that thing even functioning right now? <laughs> because at well, you that could, was still uh, you That could, was still Don Cheadle, though. Well, uh, yeah, you're right, it was Don Cheadle. Yeah. But you could argue that... Uh, between part two and three or whatever, somehow they created some kind of extra portable arc reactor. Thing no, you, no you can't argue that. No, I won't but allow it. <laughs> it. It doesn't matter because in part two, none of that happened and he still managed to walk around in that suit. So I just don't understand. I just don't get it. Wow. You know something? That is the biggest plot hole in the, in the Iron Man trilogy and, and one that I've never thought of. But like I said, once again, geeklydose at gmail.com if you have some kind of solution to that or something that we may have missed that may have explained that that we don't get because <laughs> yeah. right now I'm, I'm developing a new huge dislike for those films now that I'm aware of that <laughs> that's right okay let's move okay. on to the next film right so okay my second I guess film 
<laughs> will be the Wolverine. Okay. And obviously we just talked about that. So there's no need for me to really explain <laughs> why. Uh, I guess the real question here, more shock. So obviously that means my favorite was Man of Steel. And I'll elaborate yes. on why in a minute. Okay. But the real tension here comes in with Steven's decision. Because he both loved the Wolverine and Man of Steel. Although we didn't really get into an in-depth review of Man of Steel. We kind of talked about it a little bit. We were supposed to do an episode on that. We ended up not being able to do that. But I think our, our thoughts were basically that we enjoyed them both. So Steven, what is your next film? You know what? At number two, I'm I'm gonna have to put the Wolverine also. Ah uh, uh, yes. I mean, uh, I yes. enjoyed the movie. Like I said, like while I was watching it, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it has some silly moments, but a lot of these superhero movies that you enjoyed, once you actually sit down and think about them, a lot of them have moments that just don't make sense. A lot of them have plot holes. You have Don Cheadle walking around in a suit that doesn't have any power. I mean, <laughs> you know that stuff happens. But ultimately, I enjoyed the movie. This it's not second to Man of Steel because I didn't like the Wolverine. You know, it's just the fact that I, I like Man of Steel more. And that's just the way it is. Okay, so it is agreed that both of our favorite uh, comic book films of the summer, out of the three, mm -hmm. uh, is Man of Steel. And on that note, let's talk a little bit why it's our favorite. Sure. Now, one thing immediately I can say about the three of these films is that Man of Steel 2 is the only film that I actually saw more than once out of those three. So when I was making my decision, I had to take that into account. You know, that there was a reason that, that I went back and saw it again. You know, I, while I while I do feel like I need to see the Wolverine a second time, I, I feel like I don't want to see it a second time, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like I feel like I could be fine with seeing it once, but I kind of feel like I need to see it again to get a better understanding <laughs> of some things. Now, Man of Steel, I did also feel like I need to get a better understanding of some things, but not as much. It was really more so I wanted to see it again in 2D without all the crazy 3D action bullshit. Okay, that's the last movie I saw in 3D was Man of Steel. Oh, okay. And I regretted it immediately. You know, completely unnecessary. You're, you're, you're getting way too close on these characters. They're fighting. They're throwing stuff. It just looks like a big mess on screen. Mm -hmm. Now, when I went to see it again in 2D, it was almost like a new experience. This time I got to really absorb it. You know, see the fight. The fight scenes look way better to me when they're not in 3D. I can actually see uh, what's going on and et cetera. Now, I, while I did have my issues with Man of Steel, you know, because it, I'm going to be honest with you, it was not the Superman film that I wanted. You know, it just wasn't as exciting. Uh, I still feel like I don't know Superman at all. Like I didn't, I didn't connect with him. And I really wanted to connect with him. And I'm not blaming Henry Cavill for that. I'm just blaming the pacing of the movie. The structure was kind of weird with them jumping in flashbacks into the present and, and stuff like that. And, hey, you know, I don't want to say he didn't have a personality, but I don't. I mean, it just wasn't. <laughs> it, it was a very it was a very generic Clark Kent. Now, you can argue that he was going to become he's going to become the Clark Kent and a Superman that we know and love. And the ending of the film kind of leads to that with him joining the Daily Planet, giving the little goofy smirk and all that stuff. So maybe maybe we'll get to see that. But maybe we won't because in our last episode, we talked about the next film, including Batman. And thus it becomes this huge problem because I, don't, I still don't know if we'll get to know Superman. And that was one of my main problems with the film. Well, I mean, think about it like this. Now 
you not only have to deal with not really knowing Superman, but you probably won't even get to know this new <laughs> Batman either. Because <laughs> you're going to have a movie that's trying to split its focus between two main characters. Because if they give, like, if they favor one character over another, give them one more screen time than the other, the fans are going to go insane. And so they have to treat them both equally. And so you're going to have half of a movie focusing on one and half on the other, which means you're not going to get a lot of scenes of them not in their costumes because it's going to be an action movie anyway. And so you're just not going to get to know any of these characters ever. (laughs) And thus is the problem with the DC Warner Brothers movie franchise, right? They just can't get any of this shit right. And I was really hoping for Man of Steel to just be that movie that's just like, finally, you know, like... I have I did not get that huge uh, breath of fresh air that that huge sigh of relief that I wanted to get the same sigh of relief that I got when I watched Iron Man one and the Avengers and uh, the first half of Thor you know <laughs> you know I mean I, I just didn't get that I mean I kind of left the I left the theater I had to think about it for a day or two and I was like what are my opinions on this film yeah you know, I was like I'm not even sure. Now, the I second, think, like I said, the second time I felt a lot better about the experience. I think that uh, overall the movie really could have benefited from just not being as like gloomy the whole way through. Like it needed more lighthearted scenes and and you know they Superman needed to smile just a little bit more. I think that really would have done a lot in terms of because if you think about like in order to have those moments you have to have character moments you have to have a moment where superman says something goofy and and that would have really helped when it comes to getting to know the characters too so i don't know i think once again it's the whole is christopher nolan the best thing or the worst thing to ever happen in comic book movies because yes he gave us the dark knight it's like an oscar nominated movie and you know, it shows just how good and how serious these movies can be taken. But now you also have every movie studio trying to recreate what The Dark Knight did. And so, exactly. I don't know, maybe it's like a blessing and a curse. Christopher Nolan has ruined superhero movies in <laughs> a lot of ways because of how good he made his. I agree. And, I, and, and with that being said, you know, it, it also, I feel like Batman is one of the only characters that that kind of approach can really work with, you know, in terms of the big superheroes, you know. I mean... Of course, Wolverine is a big superhero, but we, you know we he we, we can handle him in a in a grounded story, but we can also handle handle him in a over the top X Men you know type of story, and then I kind of prefer him in that in that aspect. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know Christopher Nolan obviously was producer on Man of Steel, and that probably had a lot to do with some of the lightheartedness being taken out and the lack of personality and. I've said from day one, I never wanted Clark Kent or Superman to be as, uh, you know, a, much of a Boy Scout, at least not in the beginning, you know. And But they, they underdid it, I think. <laughs> you know, they could have made him a little bit more lighthearted, and et cetera. And then the humor was, there was so little humor in the film that whenever they did try to make a joke, it felt out of place. Like, it wasn't even funny, you know. I, I mean, I, I literally, on the first viewing... That I that I saw. There's the part at the end where uh, the general is following Superman or something like that. One of his drones, and he he just knocks the drone out of the sky, and he's like, uh, "You're trying to find out where I hang my cape at. You're not." Like he said something like that. Like 
and it just wasn't funny. <laughs> it just it was supposed to be. It did not get a laugh at all in the film. I'm like, don't try to make Superman into a jokester all of a sudden at the end of the movie when the entire rest of the movie he's been like all serious and stuff. So I know we're talking about the negative stuff. I'm supposed to be talking about why that film was my favorite. Okay, here's why it was my favorite. I saw it twice. Loved it the second time around. So glad to get a new Superman. So glad to have a new start to the DC shared universe. Uh, so glad to see a Superman that was going up against someone who was his equal. So we can get some epic Superman, Dragon Ball Z-esque mid-air battles, etc. We wanted that, although they did sort of overdo it to an extent. I mean, that was the longest fight sequence ever. Yeah. It ended, and then it started back up. That's how yeah. long that fight sequence it was, was. It was super long, and they destroyed half the city. In my opinion, they could have just, like, put an end to General Zod when they sucked everybody else into the into the thing because you thought that he was sucked into the fam zone i don't but they had to be like no let's have him keep fighting you know right <laughs> let's, he's let's like somehow another 20 minutes somehow general zod is conveniently the only one not sucked into the, yeah. <laughs> back into the phantom zone and then they have to battle and i get that and it was cool but of course the super controversial ending was superman snapping zod's neck which, once again, we didn't get a chance to review this, so we didn't really get to talk about that in too in, in depth. But let's talk about it a little bit now. Um, what, what, were you, what were your opinions on that when you saw it? I mean, I don't know, because, like, I, I see what they were going for. You know, they, they put him in the impossible situation. Uh, was it Kobayashi Maru? Uh, and so, you know, he had to make a choice. He either let the Asian tourist die or... Uh, you know, breaks Zod's neck. And ultimately, you know, Zod is the type of character that, you know, if he's not dead or trapped in the Phantom Zone, which they can't do now because they blew up the thing, uh, you know, he's just going to keep going around destroying stuff. He's a Kryptonian. Nobody can stop him except for Superman. He had to do this. Uh, So I get it. I get why they did it. You know, I get that, you know, they wanted to send a message that, you know, this isn't the same Superman that you've been seeing. You know, this isn't Christopher Reeves. This is a brand new Superman. Uh, but I think also, like, I didn't hate it. And I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. But at the same time, I feel like more than anything, that moment really emphasized the fact that this movie was way too dark for a Superman movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just the way I feel about it. Now, the way I feel about it is, you know, while I'm not as, I'm not as against it as a lot of the fanboys, quote unquote, are. Because I'm not I'm not someone who's so wrapped up in a Superman universe to where I'm like, oh, my goodness, Superman will never kill anyone. I, I Personally, I don't really care about that. My only argument is that I'm not exactly convinced that that was the only that was the last course of action that he didn't have any other choice. Because when I was watching that film, I kept thinking to myself, what happens if you just put your hand in front of his eyes? Right. Because Superman, he has his arm around Zod's neck. Zod is using his heat vision that's slowly moving toward these people. What happens if you just put your hand over his eyes? Can anyone tell me that? Like, obviously, it's not going to penetrate through his hand because he can't be hurt by something like that. So I, I think that would have been a little bit more realistic of a, 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 an alternative than snapping his neck. I don't think he necessarily had to kill him. Like, I didn't mind that he did it, but I wasn't convinced that it was necessary. 
I didn't mind that he did. I feel like the problem with the characterization of Superman in this movie is that he didn't save enough people. You know, like, he didn't bother taking the fight outside of Metropolis. He just kept running through buildings. Uh, you know, he had no problem. Like, he knew people were in, in Smallville in these, you know, houses all boarded up. And he was just throwing people through the front door. You know, like, he people were dying left and right. Superman in the comics would have done something to stop, move the fight out of this populated area. He would have made yeah. sure these people weren't dying everywhere. But, you know... It, what you really had was Superman was just so focused on fighting General Zod that he just didn't care about anything else. And that just, that was not Superman. Uh, right. more, that, that was more so not Superman than him snapping Zod's neck. Because like I said in the episode where we talked about this movie, Superman has killed before in the comics. Yes, it doesn't happen every single day. But if you look back on the fucking 50 years of Superman comics, you're going to find a handful of moments where he killed because it was the last course of action that had to be taken so yes he killed zod in this movie but i don't care because that you know that you can't say that he wouldn't do the same thing in the comics what i care about is the fact that he just didn't care about saving people that's what wasn't superman him killing that's fine him not saving people that's not fine yeah and 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 on that note um it's it's like many people have said that uh you know this whole him this whole thing with him snapping zod's neck uh, no, no, sorry, sorry. You, you were talking about him not saving people in the city and everything like that. Um, it, you know what? That would have been an easy fix, too. They could have added one little scene in there of him saying, this is getting out of control. I've got to get him out of the city. And then he tries to fly away and get him to follow him, but then, they just, but then he just gets, like, uppercutted back into Metropolis or something, you know, like just put like this two minute thing in there of him at least trying to leave the yeah. city, but they didn't even address that at all. And on your other point about the this, this, this snapping of Zod's neck, as many internet people <laughs> were quick to point out, this is not the first time Superman has killed Zod. Not in at Superman all. Two, in Superman 2, Superman took away Zod's and the two in I forgot the girl's name and mm-hmm. Nan the big guy. He they were they did they did the re, the reverse thing in the chamber. Yeah. Superman got his powers back, took yeah. their powers away, and then he threw Zod off of a cliff <laughs> a, after crushing his hand. I might add. Yes. After crushing his hand, okay, and then Lois Lane socks the girl in the jaw knocking mm-hmm. her off the other one Killing was so her. stupid he killed himself yeah so the three of them died that's right so i mean okay i get it it's not as brutal as superman snapping zod's neck but he still killed general zod and superman too and he people did. seem he to be forgetting zod. about that both him and lois are murderers in that in that universe <laughs> so thank you so and that's why for me that's not that big of a deal and and honestly it was such a it was such a uh, an intense and symbolic moment that I think it worked in the film's favor, you know, because he did it. He let out this powerful scream afterward, and then Lois Lane comforted him. Yeah. And to me, that just said a lot about the direction of the next movie he's probably going to go into. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we should probably wrap this up. Definitely. <laughs> that okay. So that was our review and discussion of the Wolverine. If you have any sort of uh, disputes with that and you want to cuss us out or you want to ask any questions or anything pertaining to that film, of course, 
you know, send us an email at geeklittles at gmail.com, as well as our thoughts and opinions on the, uh, the three superhero films of the summer. If you di- agree, disagree, let us know. Send us your top three or whatever in the order you want to talk about, the disagreement, whatever. We just want to hear from you, okay? On that note, if there's anything you want us to talk about, geek-related or otherwise, please do not hesitate to send us an email. We will answer it. I promise you that. <laughs> on air. But, it, you know, as long as it's not something that's really stupid, mm-hmm. which yeah. I'm not I don't I don't know what the criteria if that is, but whatever. Geekados at Gmail dot com. You can also find us on Facebook dot com slash awesome pods. For those of you who have been listening to us for a while, that name has changed. We're still a part of the awesome podcast network, but the name of the site has changed. It's now Facebook dot com slash awesome pods. Now, there's a couple other podcast on that network one being 80s revisited take a blast to the past with 80s revisited we talk about movies from the 80s and and all the excitement and the cinema and the music and everything that that was a part of that time that made those movies so special trivia and all those things duo attack has actually returned now which is a hero clicks podcast so if you're looking to get into hero clicks basically chess with superheroes you can check that out duo attack has returned it's also a brand new podcast. Steven, I don't even know if you knew about this. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> but know, I know. There is a brand new trivia podcast that has appeared. There's one episode up. It's called Why Don't You Know This? Once again, awesome podcast network on Facebook for links. It's, it's 24 questions, trivia, different categories. All the answers are at the end, hosted by our own producer, Jesse Sedgley. It's a very nice thing if you just want to pass some time when you're in the car you have several people you're on your way somewhere you want to play a game with some friends very useful very cool podcast make sure you check that out uh we also have some new intros from a british dude now i don't know if anyone's noticed that <laughs> yeah, we have we have a we have some british guy doing our intros uh it's pretty cool though. it's pretty it's pretty funny there's a story you know i won't i won't spoil that if jesse wants to explain that at some point he can but we hope everybody's been enjoying that now, on that note, uh, as always, we don't really know what we're going to talk about in the next episode. So, you know, our schedule was very, very, uh, it fluctuates a lot now. So, yeah. But as always, as I said before, if there's anything you want to hear about in particular, you just let us know. Okay. Now, once again, you can find me on Facebook.com slash Tim Bridgewater one. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bridgewater one. And apparently no, you yeah. can't find Steven anywhere. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Yeah. Uh, if you want to uh, find out anything about me, of course, just follow me on Twitter at Steve Nosentelli. Uh And, you know, I'm, I'm always full of, of jokes that I post on there and, and silliness. So check me out on, on, on Twitter. That's right. Check us out. Stay tuned for much more from us as well as Awesome Podcast Network. But until next time, for Geekly Dose, I'm Tim Bridgewater. And I'm Steven Nosentelli. Thank you, guys. See you next time for your next dose. On Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods.